0: Welcome to The Brand Collective, a podcast about our favorite brands, featuring stories from the marketers and creatives behind them. I'm your host, Nick Ross. With me, Mackenzie Koss, marketer extraordinaire. Let's get into it.
1: Welcome back to The Brand Collective podcast. Today we have Elaine Appleton-Grant, podcast host of Sound Judgment and the founder of Podcast Allies Training and Production Company. Welcome on. We're so excited to have you. Thanks. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah, it's uh, this is sort of our first podcast expert episode. I'm very excited for where this yeah. goes. First off, I'd love to uh, talk about your career and this transformation from working in journalism to working in public radio on NPR, uh, and now you write, produce, uh, and host podcasts, and run Podcast Allies, which is a sort of a consulting agency and production company for social impact organizations and nonprofits that that might want to use podcasts as a new medium to reach audiences.
2: That's exactly right.
0: Can you talk to us about your journey and yeah. and and what inspired the transitions from journalism to radio to now podcasts?
2: So so I've been a journalist my whole career, but I've done a lot of different things. And so the first, I don't know, 15ish years, something like that, I was in magazines. And I, I sort of went back and forth from one side of the desk to the other. So sometimes I was a writer, other times I was an editor, which was great, you know, because as an editor, I understand what writers need. And as a writer, I understand what editors need. And uh, and I loved it. You know, one of one of my favorite jobs was working as a senior editor at Inc. Magazine back when it was really the Bible of entrepreneurship. So that was just a blast. And Always loved entrepreneurship and entrepreneurs, but my my journey to public radio started a long time before I got there. I was I was literally I talk about this in it a, in a speech that I give. I was literally commuting to my office at this trade magazine. I was pretty young, and I was like stuck on I ninety five and bad weather outside of Boston in November. You know, it's like ugh. and um. <laughs> Yeah, it, like ages ago, and I'm flipping, I'm bored out of my mind. And it's, you know, the millionth time I've done this. And I didn't particularly like the job. And, um, and I'm flipping around the radio channels, and I hear this story, I wish I remembered what it was. And I was like, totally caught up in it. And when I, when it ended, I was like, I'd sort of forgotten where I was, you know, sitting in the, on the highway. And, and it turned out to be NPR which I had not heard up until that point. I mean, it's like way back. And I don't know the early nineties. I'm embarrassed to say it was so long ago. And I thought like at that moment, Oh, I wish I could do that, you know, but I didn't really have the confidence. I was, you know, behind a computer writing and editing. And, um, 13 years later, I finally got the opportunity. I probably could have done it faster than that, <laughs> but, um, it took me that long and it took me, Actually, what happened was that ink was sold and it moved from Boston to New York and they really didn't take anybody with them, nor could I have gone. I owned a house in New Hampshire. I, I couldn't have left. And um, and, and no necessity is a mother of invention. And so I wangled my way to an interview and got a job at WBUR in Boston. So it's a very long time coming. Yeah. yeah. I, I have <laughs> I very that. similar
0: memories. I remember as a young person riding with my mom and she was like an NPR, uh, just diehard listener. And I think it stuck with me. And, uh-huh. and now, I mean, now it's like, there's those moments when you're like, oh, I'm becoming my parents. And and the fact that every time I get in the car, I like just turn to NPR. That's like my number one radio. I think it was like, oh, yeah. oh, this was implanted early.
2: You know, this is, this is actually something I'm hearing a little bit more of lately is like, oh yeah, my mother listened to that. And I'm like, oh, you know, like that's painful <laughs> because that means that, well, you know, <laughs>
0: I'm not, I'm not trying to I'm lead I've just been around this in, for a yeah. long
2: time. Yes. No, but it's true. I mean, I hear that. I hear that. And, and it is actually a problem for the public radio industry, but that's another topic altogether. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I have to admit, my initials are also NPR, so I feel an affinity just because whenever I wear the, the, <laughs> the
2: shirts, I, I feel like I'm wearing that. my I love jersey. That.
1: <laughs> I love it.
2: I love it. Well, so do you have a favorite NPR show? Like, are you an all things considered person or a wait, wait, don't tell me person? Ooh. or
0: Yeah, yeah. You I know? Mean, I, yeah, all things considered. Um, mm-hmm. Now it's like Moth Radio Hour and uh, just the shows that mm. appear on the NPR stations. Um, I was a huge yeah. This American Life guy for that was one of my core uh, shows that I was a fan of. But I would love to talk about how then that transitions into where you are now as as uh, kind of a podcast aficionado, host, producer, consultant,
2: <laughs> all things podcasting. Yeah, uh, obsessions. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, what happened? Um, I I moved to Denver in 10 years ago to run a daily interview program called Colorado Matters at Colorado Public Radio and which was great fun I loved it I learned a ton Um, and I did that for going on three years and some things changed at the station and um, I left and the first I, I went back to freelancing for a while. And so I was doing a bunch of different things. I edited a book and wrote, you know, again for magazines and and not for terribly long, but one of the first things that I did was one of the coolest things that I've actually done, which was I had interviewed the new executive director of a department at the University of Colorado. It's called the Center for Bioethics and Humanities and I was like, what is that, right? Yeah. So bioethics is obviously the study of ethics around medicine, especially life and death decisions. And humanities has a place in this. And it's their job, one of their many jobs at this center to teach required ethics courses to all five of the health profession schools. So doctors, nurses, dentists, physical therapists, and I think social workers all have to Go through this, and and they're doing fascinating, fascinating work. And um, long story short, I was totally captivated. And the this new executive director, his name is Matt Winia, had always wanted to do sort of a live. I think maybe he started out with a TV idea, and then it morphed into radio. And he'd all, but he always wanted to model something after an old show that a guy named Fred Friendly did on NBC. I think he was the president of NBC when, you know, when I was a kid, probably. Where they would take a big topic, like, say, euthanasia. And Fred would moderate these panels. But what he would do is he would cast characters in a case study with people who were in those real-life professions. So a judge would play a judge and a lawyer would play a lawyer, et cetera. And then he would pose all these really naughty questions to these folks who would have to sort of reply as if they were actually the characters, but using the knowledge that they had. And he'd always wanted to do that for the health professions. He'd been the ethicist at the American Medical Association for 18 years before. And there's this incredible theater in the round at the University of Colorado that was in their building. And uh, so when I left, I called him and I said, do you still want to do that? And he said, yeah, but I need a producer. So anyway, long story short, we wound up co-producing the show. It was called Hard Call and it was narrative serialized stories about the toughest choices we're forced to make about our health. And we did some live theater and it was a really cool mechanism where there was a cliffhanger at the end of each one. And at the end of each one, we were trying to send listeners back to the website to vote. What would you do right, on this particular dilemma? Yeah. And wow, so it was, it was just cool. And it was the first podcast I'd done. I'd done a ton of radio producing. So I had those skills. But podcasting is different in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was just hooked yeah. after that.
0: I'm I'm curious your that. take on uh, like why podcasting, especially now, because I feel like it's seen this massive uh, increase in both people that are doing podcasts and people that are listening to podcasts. Uh, and I think it's fascinating because you know, ten years prior, it was it was video. It was all watching short mm-hmm. form web video. And everybody was like, mm-hmm. "This is the future. This is it." And I feel like podcasting is kind of having that same kind of just surge in momentum and surge in listenership. What inspired you to be so dedicated and to dedicate so much of of your output to this medium?
2: That's those are those are great questions. Let me let me take it as two separate questions. So, so first of all, why, why is there a surge in listenership? Like, why why are podcasts a thing when they weren't before? You know, research answers that question So, in different ways. The first reason is because we're all multitasking. So it's a whole lot easier to listen to audio while you're doing something else than it is to watch a video. You know, that's a pretty pragmatic answer, but it's true. Um, Another reason is that the technology has improved, so it's a whole lot easier for us to listen to podcasts than it used to be. You know, when it first started, it was really, really clunky. And, um, like when I was in public radio, I was I was still like, what's a podcast? <laughs> I left in 2015, you know, like it just took me a while. Um, but now, you know, especially with newer cars, for instance, it's going to be native and people's dashboards more and more. And so it's going to be just easier and easier. So, so there are those practical reasons, but, um, there's some other really interesting reasons, that go beyond that. One is, I think, the intimacy of it. I mean, I don't know your experience, but it is, you know, it's right in our ears. Yeah, As somebody I just interviewed said, you know, it takes up the same physical space as our own thoughts. So it feels very one-to-one. It's very intimate. It's so flexible. You know, you can do everything from a cinematic fiction podcast or listen to one to the daily news. Um, from, you know, you can listen to something that's three minutes long or you can listen to something that's hours. Uh, so it's it's flexible. We can get what we want. We can get what we want when we want it as opposed to just, you know, sadly for radio, flipping around the dials. Um, yeah. Personally, I would say that one of the biggest reasons, at least for me, and I know a lot of people, is what NPR... And public radio, folks called the driveway moment, you Mm -hmm. know, which is which is that audio is the most visual of mediums. You know, we can paint a picture or a scene in somebody's head and you can go there just like you do when you're, you know, reading a novel and you're like with those characters in this place. And I love that. That's the thing that got me like that day in the car on the highway. Yeah, that's never let me go. Is that, in fact, today's episode of Sound Judgment that I just got out like half an hour before I talked to you, (laughs) before I'm sitting here, um, is about cinematic storytelling with a host who's, it's a true crime show and its they do it beautifully. Um, So I think there's that. And then there's, you know, constant research about who listeners are and why listeners listen. So the top reason is multitasking. Yeah. The next reason that sort of goes across all demographics is to learn new things. But then NPR and Edison Research did this research last year, and they did focus groups with the youngest adult audiences. So like 18 to 34 or something. And they listen, number one, to get fresh perspectives, you know, perspectives that they're not getting somewhere else. And number two is to get a sense of belonging. Oh, you understand me. I feel seen and heard. You're talking to me about the things I'm interested in or my identity. Um, And the third one I thought was fascinating. Now, the research probably happened more during lockdowns but it was to feel less lonely. And, you know, we we have all heard there's this epidemic of loneliness. And yeah. we feel like that host is our best friend. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's fascinating. You know? I want to go first back to the driveway moment because I like this visual of, uh, you know, pulling in while you're listening to something that's so compelling that you can't go inside yet. You have to wait until it yep. finishes in your <laughs> yes. driveway. It's such a cool visual and such an, a nice little package that that rest in it. just had a little driveway moment um and then what I are we
2: going to call it when people aren't like listening in their car you know they're listening everywhere else
1: <laughs> yeah mine is like that's uh, true
0: you know at the end of mowing my lawn and i'm i'm just so <gasps> riveted that i can't like come in yet i have like a little lawnmower moment um and then I love what you said about.
2: That's amazing. <laughs> I like that.
1: That's good. Lawnmower moments. Yeah. By Nick Ross. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. Maybe that'll oh, be my next great. podcast. That's great.
1: <laughs> we need a lawnmower
2: meme.
0: Yeah. 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 Just some, you know, middle aged yes. man in his front yard just pondering, looking up into this, not mowing anything. <laughs> like with the mow in his hand. <laughs> oh, my neighbor's like, that guy's weird. Yes,
2: great. <laughs> okay. (laughs) And then I like what you said about
0: how young people, uh, listen or why. And I, apart from the epidemic of loneliness, which I think, you know, we've all been so affected by, and we've obviously been through something that's just remarkably unique in history in the last few years. Um, but to even, you know, relate and to, to listen to people that might share your opinions or to learn new opinions. Uh, I feel like this is such a cool thing. And I think, uh, I think about how media has sort of become more of that, more of like, you have to connect with a show on a streaming platform that you identify with. That's like a cool, uh, that represents something about you and, and, you know, looking back on where media used to be these major dominant channels, and now it's just these, every channel is a niche offering, trying to capture a niche audience yeah. that's that's appreciative of that kind of work. Um, I think it's cool. I think it's such a neat thing. Uh, so I want to start talking about uh, how you approach new clients or organizations that might come to you and say, we're looking to start a podcast, we're looking to build an audience. Um, can you walk us through maybe what the first things that you talk about are or how how people approach you when when they're like, we wanna start a podcast, we just don't know
2: more than that? It's It's, everybody is different, first of all. I think for some organizations, they are still operating under this myth that they can, you know, you've got some sort of mid-size, I don't know, service business or something with a few hundred employees or or even more than that. And like, oh, we should have a podcast like everybody used to, we should have a blog. And that may or may not be true. Like one of the things is that I don't believe that everybody should have a podcast. I believe that unless you're going to make a podcast that is as high a quality of the as the rest of your communications, that it can hurt you and that you're better off without it. And that you need to think about it in the same professional manner where you wouldn't let a logo go out if it's not the right Colors and style and, you know, you wouldn't let, I don't know, your, your blog content go out unless it's written well and getting the right messages across and is of value to your readers. So I think the, the organizations that get that from the get-go are in a much better position to understand that a podcast done right is an investment as you guys know well because you've been at it now for a year right yeah yeah, yeah we just celebrated yeah, our,
0: our anniversary of this just epically fantastic podcast <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's very very good oh thank it's you totally good.
0: that's high praise yeah,
2: appreciate that. well and and so you guys know it takes a lot of preparation and a lot of work And a real clear understanding of who you're trying to reach and why and what it does for your listeners and what it's intended to do for you and how you can set yourselves apart so that you know what you're doing. And then what kind of techniques and people do you have available to you? You know, like I have often had to say, don't use as your host, the vice president down the hall, because there's a lot of organizations that that's the first thing they think of. Is, oh, well, I'll get Harry down the hall because he's a high vice president or he's the CEO, maybe. And of course, that's what we're going to do. Well, Harry may be a terrible host. <laughs> so like the listener is way high up there. I, I think of the host as as an informed guide for the listener. You know, if you're going to have a loyalty, your loyalty is to your listener first and then to your organization and your guest. And people don't that. realize that you know? Yeah, that's so true.
0: I was going to ask about what Podcast Allies does in helping charitable organizations and social impact organizations um, achieve a podcast goal. Can you talk about why mission-driven companies like that or organizations uh, can be really well served by a podcast?
2: There are a lot of reasons. Um, And I I can give you a couple of different examples because I think you know, again, like what we do is custom and and that's because every organization is so different. But one thing that seems to be very true for particularly for nonprofits, well, if you think about it, nonprofits, foundations, educational institutions, they they have more stories at hand because they serve people than they know what to do with, right? They can't possibly... Mm -hmm make use of all that great storytelling richness. right? And so podcasting gives them a way of telling more stories and reaching more audiences than simply words on a page or a short video. I mean, one, th- one reason why I think podcasts are so great particularly for those kind of organizations is because they're all fighting for attention. You know, if you think like social media cookies are now gone, it's harder and harder to get people's attention. No one wants to be sold to. If you watch a video, you might watch it for two minutes or maybe 10 minutes if it's really good and that's about it. But you can hold somebody's attention on a podcast for 30 minutes or maybe longer once a week indefinitely. Yeah. That's gold if you're doing it well. But so nonprofits, I've done a couple of articles on this, a little bit of research and webinar. They serve so many different stakeholders. And so it's like, what is the outcome you're looking for? So your outcome might be you want more donors, You want to reach your members and you want to increase their loyalty to you and their interest in you and their understanding of what you're doing so that they then, you know, continue to donate or maybe they increase their donations or something. Um, They feel more connected to you. Or maybe you're trying to attract volunteers or employees because turnover in nonprofits is quite high. And um, so, so the You asked before, like, how do I approach if somebody approaches me? I think the first we have this process that we called vision casting. I used to have a business partner and together we came up with that where it's a consulting process and it might be, you know, all day with a team where you're going going through things like, really, why do you want a podcast in the first place? And what's your biggest challenge? What's that group that you're trying to reach? And for what reason? What's the outcome you're looking for? And then maybe what are some secondary outcomes? And also let's look at that audience and say, well, how, how can you serve them best? And how are you going to use that? to serve your organization, because obviously, you're not going to do it if it's not going to serve you in some fashion. But often, it's very subtle, right? Because you're not going out there and selling. I mean, you know, if I were still doing for-profit companies, the first thing a lot of for-profit companies would want to do is, oh, yeah, we're going to have a podcast where we're gonna talk all about our products. <laughs> it's like, no, that's an ad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go buy ad space and somebody else's podcast and then you can do that, you know, but nobody's going to sit there and listen to it. Yeah. With nonprofits, it's a little bit yeah. different, but it's still, you know, they do have to be a little bit careful depending on what they do. So, um, I can give you a couple of examples, but I don't want to go on too long. Yeah.
0: I love that. I love what you said about how mm-hmm. these organizations or are often built on just a rich, uh, you know, a collection of story. Like there's such, there's so many stories to a nonprofit and often advertising sort of fails those stories because they're like, look at this person who survived this incredible, you know, I'm just picking out an illness as an example. And our organization supports people like her. Yeah. But you have a podcast and you invite this person on and you have this rich, beautiful conversation and you have, you know, your takeaway is just this inspiring, you know, human resilience and, and being able to overcome and it to me, that's so much more impactful than that, you know, glowy ad with a photo and a quote, you know, like, it's, it's that really, tr- like triggered something in me where I'm like, wow, this is it is such a useful tool to to invite people into um, the nuance of charitable organization or, a or, a a, a a social impact organization. Um, but I would love to hear some examples. Cause I feel like this, it's such yeah. a cool perspective that you have. And I'm like, this is, I'm just a fan. This is really cool.
2: Oh, thank you. Well, you know, it's, it's very cool because I finally feel like my values all sort of come together in what I get to do every day. I'll give you an interesting example that I actually heard the other day. They're not a client. They they did come to us. I mean, I think they're trying to decide how to go forward. It's an organization in Denver, and they're working on homelessness. They actually produced one season of 10 episodes of a podcast where they were looking at the issue of homelessness in Denver, uh, which anybody listening from outside of Denver it's a pretty big problem here. Yeah. Um, and they were looking at it from sort of all sides. So they're interviewing people who are unhoused and they're interviewing lawmakers and advocates and people who serve, you know, from nonprofits and things. And they did a really nice job with this it was very highly produced. It sounded like something on public radio. I was really blown away by it. And. um the staff of this organization changed. So the people who came to me said, Well, we're we're kind of new and some of the people who are here left and we're doing it differently. And we didn't actually want to continue the podcast. We wanted to put all of our efforts into just doing the stuff, right? Changing the policies and fixing the problems. And then people told them, You can't stop because you you've got to do another season at least of this podcast because. What it did is it humanized the problem. Yeah. And I really very strongly believe we're in an era where everything's being dehumanized for political purposes, for power purposes, and things like that. And so we spent a lot of time talking about this sort of amorphous group of the other, wherever you're coming from, it's the other. Mm-hmm. And rather than seeing them as people, and the stories humanize them and make people individuals, and it starts to become. Obvious that, in fact, it's not a homogenous group and, you know, that kind of thing. And the point of whoever it was who said to them, no, 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 you can't stop, is if you want to change, say, laws and you want to change actions from advocacy organizations or whatever, you want to change policy, you're going to lose ground if people don't continue to grow in their understanding of the humanity of the people at the center of this issue. And that's the way you're going to change policy. And, And they also said, and this podcast opened up a lot of relationships for us. And I said, that is very cool. And she said, well, isn't that the outcome all nonprofits want? And I said, well, it's a nice outcome. Of course they should want it, but that's probably, I said, that's probably not where you started, right? And they're like, oh, right, it's not actually where we started from. (laughs) You know, everybody wants downloads, they want ears, but they don't really think like, and what are you going to do with that? What's the point of that? So I love that story. I I would love to work with them. I don't know whether that's going to happen or not, but um, I, I absolutely love that story because it gets really to the heart of stories done right, and that's not easy, can change us and can change systems. Yeah. You know, like students and other doctors literally changed how they thought about mental health. The two big stories we worked on at Hardcall, the University of Colorado, were um, mental health and an end-of-life issue mm-hmm. about how long to basically yeah. continue life with a very risky procedure. We measured before and after. <laughs> And people's minds changed. Yeah. where they became less stuck in their preconceived notions.
0: It's beautiful. It's beautiful to see the other side. I just watched a documentary not too long ago on HBO that was very unique true crime documentary. But it was about this town that was really affected by this sort of murder. And then the documentarians hosted a play where they took, they amassed all the information and trial information and, you know, um, and they put on a play about what happened and people in the town's minds were changed. And it was just fascinating to me just seeing that, uh, and like over the course of the documentary, you learn about the crime, you learn about the people, um, and it has some twists and turns and it's obviously like a beautiful H- HBO doc series, but, um, I can't recall the name right now. It's just, I'm spaced on it, but it was.
2: Yeah. Of course I was just going to say,
1: I want yeah. to see that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, I'll find it and I'll send it to (laughs) you. Yeah, be Googling Uh, it. But uh, it's it's about that. It's about how even people that are kind of set in their ways and deeply affected by what happened, um, their minds were changed uh, just by watching a play Mm -hmm. and seeing it from a different perspective.
2: You know, it's fascinating. I I don't have it in front of me, but um, one of... One of our clients is the Environmental Defense Fund. And so we've been producing for them for two, three years, I think like three years now, uh, a podcast called Degrees. And the subtitle is Real Talk About Planet Saving Careers. To the best of our knowledge, it's the only green careers podcast. And um, there was a review the other day on Apple from somebody saying this podcast literally changed my life because they were working in, you know, for-profit corporation, feeling very driven and worried about the climate crisis and had been listening over time and made the switch, you know, found a way to make the switch to getting paid to save the planet, you know, which is what green careers are all about. And that's the point of the show, actually, is to inspire a whole movement of younger people to make those choices because we need them, right? Absolutely. And we need you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, um, yeah. And so it's actually having an effect. And, you know, you can't measure it on a grand scale. It's anecdotal. But still, when you get those kind of reviews, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, this storytelling is effective. You just have to choose what you're trying to affect. Yeah. Right. I
1: found that's what so it's true. called.
0: It's called Mind Over Murder.
1: Ooh. Oh. <laughs> Mind Over Murder. Yeah, Mind Over that's Murder. It's a, a good name. Um, yeah. Dang. I'm gonna look it up. So what are some of your favorite podcasts that you're currently listening to right now? I'm curious. Such a great question. And and I have to say, I'm having
2: so much fun because I launched Sound Judgment
1: Mm -hmm.
2: about a month ago and I'm bringing on a great host in every episode, which means that I'm really listening to even more podcasts than I ever did before because I'm looking for people. So I'm having a lot of fun with that. Um, The first couple that I thought of because I knew about that question ahead of time. Thank you. Um, <laughs> one is a show that's been around for a long time, and it's just sort of consistently good. It's called The Accidental Creative.
1: Ooh, and yep.
2: do you know that that mm-hmm. podcast? Or yes, he,
1: Todd Henry. I think Yes, almost... I believe so. I'm on the spot now, though. So I'm trying to. Remember. Yeah, I, I wish he I had two first names. So that's why I kind of was like, I think that's it.
2: Exactly. <laughs> he's written a lot of books for creators. Yes. And so I dip in and out of that one. But, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's always good for like, oh, yeah, I could do things that way. Or yeah, I could have, you know, it's it, he's smart about it. It's not cheesy. Yeah. Um, so I like that one. And I'm really looking forward to listening to a new Guy Raz show called The Great Creators. Ooh. Yeah. So that's new this month. And so he's, of course, known for How I Built This. Yeah. Now they have this new show where he's talking to artists and actors. And I'm not sure because I haven't listened yet about their creative process and sort of the same way as How I Built This. So given what you guys do, I had to like. Sort of single those out first.
0: Yeah, that sounds um,
2: lovely. I love yeah. that. Uh, and then another one in this sort of creative category is a show that I binged on. All these there aren't any more. It's called Standing Ovation or Standing Ovations. Oh, I wish I'd looked this up, um, but I think there's only the one. Standing Ovation. A guy named Jay Bear, and Jay Bear is a global public speaker, you know, one of the top yeah. speakers. And so for like 40 episodes, he brought on a different top mostly business speakers to every yeah. episode and played their signature story and then dissected it with them. Cool. And I loved that sort of behind the scenes process thing and that's what inspired I finally was like that's what I want to do. And so I actually I called him and I said, "Can I steal your idea?" but for podcasts. And that's what sound judgment is.
1: Mm-hmm. Hey, I love that. Nice. Yeah. And he said, that's
2: sure. Cool. I stole my idea from somebody else.
0: <laughs> what do they say? Like it that was great. the smartest people it was like just nuts. steal ideas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <It's like laughs>
1: yeah. There's not really like an original idea. I feel like we all just kind of, it's almost, you know, domino effect in a positive way though. You yeah, right. all can have a piece of the pie. Yeah. We iterate,
2: right? Yeah. Yeah, we iterate. Exactly. Yeah. So, so those were a few. Um, And then, yeah, I'm, I'm all over the place with what I listened to. Uh, Last Day is absolutely wonderful. See, it's kind of gut-wrenching, but it's wonderful. Um, I love Adam Grant. I've listened to Work Life for a long time. He's got a new show called Rethinking. I'm not sure what the difference is between the two, but I love those. Yeah. and then a, a storytelling one that's it's a documentary. It's fabulous. It's called Mississippi Goddamn. It's a series that is part of Reveal, which is the name of the podcast.
0: Yeah, Reveal. I think it was incredible. an eight or ten
2: part series. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's a Reveal series. It's Al Letson, who is the host of Reveal, did this series, um, and it's an investigation into the death of a high school football star. He was eighteen. In two thousand eight, in a little town in Mississippi, and uh, the question is, was it an accidental death? Did he kill himself or was he murdered by a police officer? ooh and it is so well done yeah it's wow, it's incredible, yeah,
0: yeah incredible. well, I've got my uh my list growing right now. <laughs> Uh, Same.
1: I was like, put these mentally down. <laughs>
0: do you? What about
1: your list? Can I ask? Am I allowed to do that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I'll keep mine slightly short. I guess. Um, I like the Gold Digger, and, and what's the juice? Not um, familiar with what's either What's the juice? Is one? one of with one of my favorite herbalists who has a bunch of different people on and. Her partner and her are just really cool. They both live in New York and started a company together. And I don't think everyone can do that. Uh, couple and partner wise, it's always interesting to go into business with who you're with. <laughs> so they they just do it so wonderfully, and I love that she like the every episode's different and. There's some like really good moments where you can just kind of relate to it, Um, especially for like female health and everything. I thought that was pretty brilliant of her to have different folks on from different walks of life. But yeah. And then Gold Digger is. I feel like it's just ever changing and it really kind of makes you think about how you're doing things. And if you have like a passion project or something, it almost kind of just like ignites something. I usually listen to podcasts if I'm walking. Cause then I can just like focus in on that. Or if I'm doing some sort of something creative, it kind of like allows me to go even a step further sometimes. So those are like my, my two, I would say that I always go back to and like keep up to date on for sure. They sound
2: interesting. I'm a big walker. Listen, listen to podcasts
1: while I walk. I cannot do other stuff though. Some people I'm like, I don't think I could run and listen. I would be, it'd be too much.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I can run and listen, but maybe that's because I'm the world's slowest runner.
0: I want to move on to our our final segment. We just ask every guest three questions just to get to know you a little bit more. So the first question is, what have you done recently for the very first time?
2: That's a great ending question because I had to think about it. (laughs) And um, so in September, yeah, in September, my husband and I went to Yellowstone and he's a fisherman, loves to fish. Does he fly fish? Yeah, yeah, I do too. I love that. Really? Yeah. Oh wow, that's that's a little unusual. Actually, you don't <laughs> run into too many. There's more and more, but you don't run into two. That's cool. Yeah, that's, that's true. great. That's true. Well, so he was just dying. What happened was that I gave him a guided fly fishing trip in Montana for his birthday, like the year before. And so, Mm -hmm. of course we had to build a whole vacation around it and yada yada. And so I had gotten in touch with the guide and he was trying to help me figure out like where we should go. And I'm not a fly fisherman. So um, fly fisher woman, would you call yourself (laughs) Mackenzie? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, I guess either. Fly Um, fisher? Yeah, fly fisher. Fly fisher.
2: Yeah. Fly so I'm fish. not a fly fisher. Um, and, but he, so we got to talking, he asked me all these questions. And what we decided on was a six mile hike down into Yellowstone Canyon, down to the Yellowstone River, where nobody goes. Mm-hmm. And now I know why nobody goes there. And, and he basically said, you know, you, because it's such a hard hike, mm-hmm. the fish basically jump onto your, onto your flies. Wow. So we did this and, uh, um, it wasn't, I mean, I've hiked a lot. So six miles, you know, it's long, but it didn't seem impossible. And it was like 1500 feet down as a big elevation gain going the other way. And, um, but what he didn't tell us is like the last mile we bushwhacked and we crossed scree fields that were, I swear to God, 45 degree angles With just loose, nothing. It was the most terrifying thing I have ever done. I thought we were going to go off the cliff and it was like a thousand feet down, you could see the river. And um, yeah, I was terrified. I was also mad because we hadn't been warned.
1: (laughs) Uh, So I can honestly say
2: that's something I've done for the first time and the last time. My husband, on the other hand, when we finally got like done, and and he, he was right. I mean, the fish were like, crazy it was like the best fishing in my husband like, the like I caught a fish yeah which was also a first time nice. I never caught a fish wow and uh so it was right but you know and then it was a crazy hard hike leaving yeah and uh <laughs> and scary and so when we got back out I was like okay I never have to do that again and my husband's like so when can I go back into it again <laughs>
1: Oh my
0: God, really? <laughs> wow.
2: You can go without me. Yeah. But it was gorgeous.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I can imagine.
1: Yeah, it was amazing.
0: The next question uh, is if you were invited to a show and tell right now, what item do you think you would bring and why?
2: This was a hard one. This is a hard one because I, I immediately wanted to turn it around and say, well, I would show somebody how to level up their voice on a mic for better storytelling, you know, quickly with a quick hack or something, but that's not fair. Um, because it's not show and tell.
0: Well, it could just be bringing a podcast mic and talking about how Oh,
2: yeah, that's true, you know. I suppose I wouldn't I'm not really one <laughs> to go. Let's talk about the cardioid pattern on this mic, you know, like I don't really care as long as you've got a good mic, honestly. It's table stakes. I think you have to have good sound quality, but it's not sufficient.
0: I love that. Our last question. That's a
2: hard question, though. That's, that's a good question. It is.
0: Yeah. It, I'm I'm always really compelled by the sort of open-ended, more philosophical questions, especially s- since it's like, it's how we connect to things. I feel like how we connect to things is always interesting. Yeah. Um, it's one of the reasons why mm-hmm. I think the uh, the modern day kind of Zoom ecosystem that we're in is fascinating because you often see in the people's homes and see like how their rooms look. Where is it? We used to be kind of anonymized by offices and we'd be like, we all work in this office. Nice button down yeah. shirt, nice button down shirt, nice yeah. button down <laughs> shirt. Um,
2: exactly. Yeah. And now I think we're made <laughs> yeah. more human it's true. It's in true. this
0: true. In this work from a home era, where we're we're made more human just by mm-hmm. a little window into our personal lives. Our final question, yeah, uh, is
2: absolutely:
0: uh, if you were to meet a younger version of yourself, what piece of advice do you think you would give?
2: I would say stop judging yourself and follow your intuition.
1: Yeah, and, yeah,
2: and then it's good to evolve. Like you don't have to know everything right now. You're gonna change over time and that's good yeah and so it, things don't have to be perfect right now just yeah but, but allow yourself to follow your intuition because your intuition is smart
0: Elaine thank you so much for taking the time it's been such a joy to have you yes
1: thank you hopefully
0: I get to see you in the wild soon at a moth event because that would be very yeah
1: fun. yeah I would love to do that
0: you're listening to a brand folder podcast where we like to say strong brands live here Join us as we build The Brand Collective, a podcast for anyone curious about the people behind the brands that we all love.
1: We're available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe.
0: And if you feel inspired, leave us a review. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. Until next time, this has been The Brand Collective.